Welcome. Welcome, lovely listeners. Another episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. And joining me for this big show in our Southern Illinois studios is our producer, Mason. And from the wilds of West County, St. Louis, is Sean Campbell. How are you boys doing today? Doing good. Uh, it's a drab, dreary day here. And uh, luckily, we've got some really cheerful news coming your way. <laughs> we got a big show. We got a lot of uh, St. Louis City news, good and bad. We've got uh, the Western Conference of MLS uh, previews up for you as the season starts this weekend. Cover a little bit of uh, CONCACAF Champions League as well. Start us off, we've got uh, some news for St. Louis City 2, the MLS Next Pro Team for the big club. Uh, They did play their first home game in the preseason this past weekend. We were there. Big crowd. Big crowd for a preseason game as they hosted Memphis 901 of the USL Championship. Uh, it's a pretty good game. Uh, lots of good action. Ended up as a 1-1 draw. Pompeo Martins uh, had the late penalty kick to even things up for uh, City 2. And uh, this is a good time. I couldn't believe how many people were there in the cold. Uh, but uh, then after the game, the players all came over, bumped hands all of us uh, supporters out there along the fence. It was, a, it was a good show. We really enjoyed it. Got to meet a lot of uh, old friends, meet some new ones. It was a great time, except for the bathrooms being a mile and a half away. That was the only drag on the whole event. Well, luckily, it sounds like Creve Corps has a... Uh, they've heard our concerns, and we are valid, and uh, they are examining the possibility of providing us with porta-potties. So isn't that nice? Shrubbery would work for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe not for everyone, but it'll work for me. Any uh, extra takeaways from the game for you guys? Uh, I definitely enjoyed the fact that the drums made it out. That's yes. always a good sign. They're mm-hmm. getting into getting into gear, getting ready to go, and it's never a bad time to bring out the drums, make some noise, have the fans get involved. Uh, I really, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Yep, preseason uh, did get a chance started after they scored the PK for all the fans out there. Of course, to work on it, but we've got time. We've got time on that. Uh, the Academy kids also played some friendlies that day. They both won as well. So a good day for St. Louis City Soccer Club in its entirety. It was nice to get some um, some old St. Louis FC vibes going because um, a lot of that's going to kind of go away with the first team starts, unfortunately. So get it while you can. Get it while it's hot. We also, with uh, City 2, found out some information uh this week, the uh, upcoming game on March 5th against Louisville City, we now know where. It's going to be back at Creevecourt Park. That's on a Saturday. It'll be at uh, 3 p.m. And uh, we're thinking about making it up to uh, that game as well as the preseason. Also, rumors are out there that uh, the regular season schedule will finally drop for MLS Next Pro this coming Thursday at 10.30 a.m. You know, not all rumors come true, but it's about time for us to find out when they're going to be playing uh, as the season's going to be coming up soon. I guess the big question with this is, is MLS Pro actually going to release it on Thursday or are we going to be looking at next Thursday or something like that, given the uh, the track record with preseason? Yeah, I don't know. Some other news. Uh, MLS Next Pro's come out and said that all of their games in the league will be streamed on their MLS Next Pro website. And if you haven't been to the website, it's all in black and white. I'm wondering if all the all the games will be streamed in black and white as well. 
I think that's a I think that's a big yes. And <laughs> fun fact, all of the games will be silent. You can only read the captions <laughs> of the commentary and all the all the co- captions are going to be in comic sans. <laughs> They'll have slides up in the middle <laughs> to tell you what happened. These games will be presented to you in newsreel format. Welcome to the wide world of sports. Now just to work on our transatlantic accents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the only downside to this was the fact that uh, I would hope that St. Louis City could afford some numbers on the back of the jerseys for two. So we don't have to try across the pitch trying to match up a picture to see who is who out on the pitch during the game. Yeah. That would be nice. <laughs> it would be uh it'd be a bit of a bummer, I suppose, if they went out there and practiced jerseys during the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> but uh also a little bit more information. This was known, but uh MLS Next Pro is going to have the regular season's going to be 24 games long. There's going to be eight clubs in uh, playoffs at the end of the year. That'll be all formatted. Hopefully, we'll get all that information soon. Uh, be interesting to see how many of these games will actually be on weekends and how many will be at, uh, you know, 1 o'clock on a Wednesday, something like that. So looking forward to seeing what comes out of that. Also, some other St. Louis City Soccer Club news. Not of the good sort. It just uh, came out, what was it, yesterday? It was all over Twitter amongst the supporters that uh, the new sponsor announced last week of the stadium, Centene, uh, it became known that they had contributed $100,000 to the Florida Congressman Chris Sproles, who's the sponsor of that state's Don't Say Gay bill. Uh, the bill did have an addendum to it that was even going to you know, push teachers to out students, even if that put them directly in harm of, of violence or being ostracized. Uh, just before recording, it came across Twitter that that particularly heinous part of a heinous bill uh, has been withdrawn in the Florida House. Now, this only affects Florida kids, but... For the moment. Yes, we and know how that goes. We've seen bills like this in Utah, in Texas. We will see it in Missouri soon, don't doubt it. Even here in Illinois, I don't think we're as safe as some of us would think. But we're safer than Missouri here in Illinois. For now, that's I think that's true. But now, this does not mean that Centene, the the contribution to uh, the congressman of question uh, in question, uh, was done months ago. Uh, probably has nothing to do with this bill. I imagine that the boardroom doesn't even know that he's involved in this particular issue. They probably gave him $100,000 to get a tax break on a building they wanted to build in his district, more than likely. But still, it's a bad look. And what it does is when, you know, this is probably one of hundreds of politicians in Centene spreading their money around. But what it does is it leaves St. Louis City, a week after the grand opening and naming of the stadium, left holding the bag and having to deal with a PR crisis. Not a good look. Yeah. I'm not really interested in litigating Centene's actions here. Um, not right now and not on this forum. It's uh, it's table stakes that corporations do this kind of thing. We all know it. It's not surprising. It's it's upsetting. It's particularly galling that companies like this continue to, with one hand, say that they support LGBT rights 
and on the other commit, you know, do things like this and just in pursuit of enhancing their bottom line. It's galling, but it's not surprising. Yeah, it's not the particular players at this. It's the game. Anybody there in that corporation, I've worked for multinational major corporations. They're just doing playing the game, you know, without any heart or soul. But hey, they're large corporations. If you're expecting heart and soul out of them, you're going to be disappointed. Mm-hmm. Hate to tell you, I've got uh, over four decades of railing against such actions and it's only gotten worse. The game has to change. The overall structure of how business is done has to change. And not just in this country, has to change worldwide. And don't expect that to happen tomorrow. Oh, absolutely not. But as much as I would like to get up on my soapbox and call for revolution, I'm not going to do that here. Um, That's for another podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Pitchforks um, and torches today. We'll keep them out soon. Yeah. <laughs> keep, yeah, keep an eye out for that. But um, yeah, a, a Fortune 500 company like Centene is not going to change the way that they donate to political um, to uh, political campaigns because a couple a couple a hundred soccer fans are upset uh, because of a bill in in Florida. But the club, they might listen. They should listen. They've spoken in the past about being open and receptive to supporters groups. Um, to fans, to early adopters about our concerns and what we want. Let's see how they do when we hold their feet to the fire about something like this. Because us leaning, you know, the LGBTQ community in general, us leaning on Centene won't do anything. Us as supporters leaning on Centene won't do anything. But if the club, if we lean on the club and the club leans on Centene, maybe something could happen. And even if Centene isn't interested in changing anything, um, w- what will the club do? Are we going to get silence? That would be damning. I would. That would be extremely upsetting for me, for other queer people in the community, to hear nothing. That silence would be deafening. Are we going to get a PR statement saying, you know, we hear you, your concerns are valid, and then... I don't know, in July, get like a love is love merch drop in the store and have a pride night on the theme calendar. That's unfortunately what I'm expecting. And that's not going to be sufficient either. Not for me. And I don't think for a lot of other people. I imagine if if there is anything, it'll be following the playbook that I learned studying base level uh, public relations in college. You put out a vaguely apologetic uh, press release uh, that really doesn't say anything, and then you just see if the whole issue blows over. There really isn't much St. Louis City can do except do that PR, because this is essentially with Centene, it's just a marketing deal. Contracts have been signed, and this is not something that really would void that contract. And it's not something to go to court over either. No. It's just the nature of the business. Doesn't make me happy, but you got to realize... This is not a fight to really waste a lot of energy on, but it is something to hold the club's feet to the fire in early days to really try to hold them to the club culture, uh, especially at the corporate and boardroom level, keep talking about. 
Well, I mean, the club could do something, if not about Centene's actual political donations. They could make donations of their own to charities like the Trevor Project, to local local queer charities, to uh, local organizations. They could do things. Will they? I have my doubts. But, you know, just having like a love is like, you know, having like a Raytheon uh, pride parade float is not going to be sufficient for for me or for a lot of people, I suspect. Yeah, I, I don't envy I don't envy the club. They really, other than signing a marketing deal, uh, had nothing to do with this. But now they're stuck in it, and they're really the ones holding the bag. So we'll just have to see how it goes. That was a great solution, Mason, about uh, making their own donation somewhere. That would really help. It would really show something. But yeah. time will tell and see if they actually do that. Yeah. I mean, bar is on the floor here. Let's see if they can clear it. But, um, I mean, another side of this outside of just my own personal outrage and outrage from other queer people in the community, is this is going to be a bellwether for how the club is going to handle PR fiascos, scandals, in the future. It's a pro sports team. They happen. We all know they do. Let's not pretend like they don't. How will they be handled by the club? This is going to be an interesting litmus test for how they're going to do that. Or a learning experience, one of the two. Mm -hmm. uh, it will be a learning experience for them. If they could muddle this one and get it right the next time because they learn from their errors, too. Time will tell on that. They do seem to be somewhat humble. They don't seem to be incredibly arrogant, as we've seen some other clubs and things out there at this level that MLS is. Uh, not naming names, but I'm thinking of a certain hockey team in Chicago at the <laughs> moment. Uh, a certain ownership group uh, in uh, Salt Lake City. Oof. And we could go on, Just but we don't have enough time. Shade across the country <laughs> here. And I think uh, there's not much more to spend on this. Really brought to light and really pushed on Twitter um, from one of the supporters groups, the Thieves, which is really in their, you know, their strike zone on this. And then today, you know, a friend of ours, Andy Haas, uh, Announced via Twitter that he and a group of his friends have launched a new supporters group called SLC Punks. Uh, don't have a lot of information on it, but it's good to have all these supporter groups out there. Everyone can have their own voice. Everyone can come out and cheer. It gathers excitement. And there's already an infrastructure with one large supporter group, the St. Luligans. They know how to organize and get things going. So all these other supporter groups it gives a way to get organized on game day before the games uh, and work together towards doing the best we can do while being inclusive of everyone. So we applaud them for that and we look for more coming in the future. I will say uh, when I saw uh, SLC Punks uh, on Twitter, it was originally a notification from replying to something that you had said, Mike. And I was like, oh boy, what did he say to Salt Lake? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say before we move on, though, I do like the I, you do like to see is, you know, multiple supporters groups, because eventually you get enough of them, you get a whole council of them together, and then you can get more voices talking directly to the club about what the fans actually want to see from the club. And the more people you have representing the people that are the fans of the club, the better, in my opinion. Yeah, and I've talked to the people with St. Luligans and uh, they've been asking the questions. Where's the other supporters groups? We need more. Yeah, it's good to see one. Support them all. Hope to talk to them all before the season starts as well. 
on this show, even perhaps. I'd love to do interviews. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you heard it here. You heard it here <laughs> first. If you're interested, get in touch. Soccercapital at gmail.com. <laughs> or find us on Twitter. That at might be easier. Soccer Capital. But uh, that's it. That's what we got for St. Louis City this week. Uh, also, one big thing is more supporters groups show, uh, coming in is a good thing. It also shows how much closer we're getting to game day. It's still a year away or more. Schedule will probably not be as early without the World Cup coming this November next year. Uh, but uh, it's good. It shows that things are starting to really ramp up. And it's just going to build and build and build. So we're looking forward to more and more news and more and more things to talk about. But for right now, we're going to talk some MLS. Because I think it's kind of important, since that's the league St. Louis City will be playing in, uh, to know what's going on. And we really anticipate them in the Western Conference, given that they moved Nashville temporarily to the West to balance out the schedule. When St. Louis City comes in, Nashville will move back over. It'll be unbalanced. Then if it is Las Vegas, which of course it's going to be Las Vegas, that will make it even 15 in each conference. And it makes geographical sense as well. Yep. So welcome back to the MLS preview crucible. We're doing the Western Conference. Is folks. it really a crucible? <laughs> it or is, is it a fool's game? It, it's a crucible for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but ultimately it's a fool's game. Uh it's so, a difference of degrees. If you didn't listen to last week's show, what we'll do is uh, each one of us took a handful of teams. We came up with the information we have on them, and uh, we'll give you a thoughts. And then at the end, each one of us will choose whether we think the team is going to be in or out of the playoffs, which is the real fool's game of this. And start us all off is going to be Sean Campbell. With the Western Conference champions of 2021, the Cronky Family's Colorado Rapids. What do you got for us, Sean? Well, before I dive too deep into it, I just want to say that the West has always been tight. The West is going to be tight again this year, um, I, except for maybe like one team. And it may not be the team you expect, but we'll get to that later. But it's going to be another tight race for sure. So just because if you're listed and you're a fan of a different team and you hear us say they're out, they may only be out by like two points. Who knows? Yeah, the Galaxy missed the playoffs by, what, five minutes real time before the end of the season last year? It's going to be Yeah, tight. they lost it on decision day by goal differential, wasn't it? Yeah, at the very, very end. Brutal. Yeah, so who knows? Who knows? But yeah, let's dive into it. Let's start with the Rapids. So just like last week, if you if you listened, if not, uh, I'm going to do a couple, we're going to do a couple of key transfers in, key transfers out, and then rundown of, of what they did last year and then brief brief look into what they're going to do this year um so for the rapids the key ins were brian acosta and max alvis that's a midfielder and a defenseman and the key outs are dominic baji uh cole bassett he's on loan to feyenoord kellen acosta and austin trusty who's still there but he's already he signed with arsenal they loaned him back for the first half of the season and then once arsenal's you know Mid-season in their off-season, he's going to transfer over there. Um, key players for them this year is going to be whoever ends up playing striker for them, and then whoever is actually going to end up placing a replacing Acosta and Bassett, Kellen Acosta and Bassett, um, just because that midfield is they they lost a couple of big pieces and they're really going to need to to pick up the slack there. 
Uh, last season, they were first in the West. They earned the, the first round bye. They worked very hard all season. Uh, they only had one loss at home. Uh, they were hanging around at the bottom, you know, not at the bottom, but towards the bottom of the top four for a long time throughout the season. And then at the end on decision day, they swept right by Sounders and Sporting, took that top spot. Then they ran into a red hot Timbers team, and that was the end of the year for them. But I'd say that's a pretty good year. Uh, like I said, they lost Bassett, they lost Baji, they lost Acosta. Um, as long as the people they brought in for that midfield can pick up that slack, I see no reason why they wouldn't make it into the playoffs. Uh, they don't seem to have a lot of depth at striker, and if they can, if whoever's there can step up, they can get the goal scoring they need. They may, you know, squeak into more draws again, and who knows? Maybe another, maybe a deep run this year, but who knows? Maybe not. But definitely in the playoffs. Yeah, I think they're in the playoffs. Uh, as to the striker, uh, you know, let me ask you, have you heard this one before? You think the Crockies could have gone out and signed somebody? They don't sign anybody. They got all their DP slots open. They could have went out and got somebody. They could have followed this up. They got a good team. It's almost as if Cronky's just there to collect the money from the fans and doesn't give a, a rat's butt about what the team actually does on the field. No. How could you say that about Stan Kroenke, pillar of the community? Yeah, no, he's an upstanding gentleman. <laughs> upstanding gentleman that only cares about only cares about the fans, right? Yeah. Yeah, like Grant Wall said, famous soccer journalist, he says, a few years back I went to a meeting, met up with an owner that had been in the league for five, six years. He goes, you know what? I don't think I've ever even seen Stan Kroenke. That's how engaged he is on this. And Mason, what do you got, in or out? I've got Colorado in. I've got him slipping out of the top spot. I don't see him winning in the West this year, but I've got him in. Yeah, we're unanimous on that. And uh, the next one, I'm going to go ahead and take on the Seattle Sounders. They finished second in the Western Conference on 60 points last year. A lot of injuries last year faded down the stretch, had a little issue getting goals down the stretch, and that cost them the top spot. They look like they might actually at one point had something for the New England Revolution for the Shield, and that fell apart. Coaches, of course, Brian Schmetzer, who's been with the club since the 70s. Now he's the head coach. <laughs> he's done pretty good there. Uh, last season, with injuries like the Jordan Morris and then uh, Ladero, they switched to playing three in the back. We look for it to go back to his favored 4-2-3-1 lineup, four in the back. Um uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz up front, and uh, just an incredible midfield in between. Uh, key signings, they got the best free agent signing perhaps in the history of the league, uh, getting Albert Rusnak coming from uh, Real Salt Lake to add to that midfield. They also signed uh, Dylan Tevez, a 21-year-old midfielder on a homegrown contract. They've stocked lineup, and they still got kids coming in. Kind of frightening. Uh, it's not terribly frightening, but the Sounders aren't going away for years. It doesn't look like, uh, key losses. Well, big one, uh, starter, pretty, uh, good performer for him last year. Brad Smith left in a trade to DC United who really needed to replace Kevin Paredes. Good fit for DC United. Uh, Seattle got 750,000 in general allocation money with that, that freed up an international slot. Seattle turned that for $250,000 in GAM, and it also took his $600,000 a year salary off their books. So in that one trade, they freed up another 
point some odd million dollars uh, playing around money for this summer. Garth Lagerway, their GM, is just a witch. Key holdovers? Uh, you may have heard a few of them. I could go through the list. It really sounds like two teams. Nico Ladero, Jordan Morris are back. Uh, they had spent a lot of injury time. Morris out with knee surgery, Lodero back and knee injuries. Are they going to be 100% doubtful? Morris still got to get up to speed. He's got to get a full season back from another knee surgery. It always takes at least a season, at least to mentally get confidence in that knee. But if they're not 100%, they still got Raul Ruiz Diaz, Christian Roldan, Alex Roldan, Jao Paulo, Nuhu, Yamar, Ariaga, And coming off the bench, they got Kellen Rowe. Jaime Martero, Jimmy Miranda, Leo Chu, who's a U-22 signing, Will Bruin, and more. They've also got kids, including 16-year-old Obed Vargas, who started and played most of the game in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, this past week, and uh, players with MLS experience in Daniel Leva and Juan Atencio. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Outlook? Yeah. You got to say the real contenders to be supporter, supporter shield in the MLS Cup, maybe even U.S. Cup and even champion, uh, CONCACAF Champions League. They've got the roster and the depth of talent to play all these and go for it. But Ladero Morris have to get back up to speed to really fulfill all these promises. Rusnak has to fit in. And first, of course, it's the first game they had, but against uh, Montagua and uh, CCL, didn't really see how that was going to work yet, but early days. Uh, also, after his great showing at the Africa Cup of Nations, Nuhu is probably going to have some suitors come summer, and they might be forced to sell him, and they're thin in the back even with him. They don't really have too much to cover for him. That could really be a problem for him, much less injuries. At the end of last season, they found goals harder and harder to come by as people started to take away their transition moments, which were so deadly early. And uh, that kind of showed in the first CCL match as well. Goals were an issue. That should change, but will it? And, of course, injuries. Ladero has run so much in his career if he gets hurt. Rusnak's cover, but that doesn't mean they're a juggernaut anymore. But, hit, are they, rather than say they're in or now the playoffs, are they supporter shield winners? Right now, I got to say they're in for that. They're certainly in the running. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, when it comes to playoffs, Seattle's in with a bullet. At least as it stands right now, that roster's all killer, no filler. Of course, we said that about Columbus last year, and they did make the playoffs. You got them in or out, Sean? It's it's Seattle. If you say anything but in, you're lying to yourself, whether you like them or not. They're they're in. They're fighting for that top spot. And like I said last week, that that supporter shield is going out west. It's just a matter of how far. And if I have to be, a, if I was a betting man, I'd put my money all the way to the west coast, and I think they win that shield. Yeah. And not only that, if they do suffer injuries, the Brad Sh- Smith trade alone fills back up the coffers to make a move in the summer that they've been so good at. So even if they start off slow, they've showed that doesn't matter. They can fix that. Next up, we got Mason. He's going to cover the newcomers to the West, these one-timers, these newbies, Nashville SC. Nashville SC, Smashville. Head coach Gary Smith has brought his team to the Western Conference. 
Uh, players in, um, not a lot of moves here. We got Teal Bunbury coming from New England. They got him for 150000 in GAM. Uh, Ethan Zubak uh, picked him up from the Galaxy, uh, traded him for a first-round pick next year in the Super Draft. Um, they got Josh Bauer out of the re-entry draft. He was originally acquired by Atlanta. Uh, last pick in last pick of the first round in the last draft. And then Sean Davis got him out of free agency from the Red Bulls. I think that's probably their biggest get. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, Dylan Nealis, they shipped him off to Red Bulls for 150000 in GAM. Uh, here's a big one. They shipped Alistair Johnston off to Montreal for a million dollars in allocation money. Haven't used that for much yet, but kind of like Seattle, they're sitting on a nice pile come summer if they need it. Um, and then last out, they traded Rodrigo, Pin or rather loaned Rodrigo Pinero to Union Espinola in Chile. So not a lot happening over in Nashville. They kind of sat pretty. Um, still got, you know, big juggernauts like uh, Walker Zimmerman, uh, Hani Mukhtar, who was good last year. Um, really <laughs> he's pretty good. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty. He's pretty good. Um, so last year they were third in the Eastern Conference and they lost to the Philadelphia Union in the semifinals. I am expecting Nashville to slip a bit in the in the Western Conference. I don't think that they're going to shape up quite as well against the heavily contended top end of the Western Conference like they did in the East. The East was heavily stacked in favor of New England last year, and they were able to uh, advance quite easily there. I think they're going to slip a bit, but I've got them in. They still have their really strong core. That hasn't gone anywhere. They've always been highly competitive. They're perennial contenders since they joined, and I don't see that changing. So you got them in. I've got them in. How about you, Sean? Yeah, I've got Nashville in for sure. Uh, expect Hani Mukhtar to be Hani Mukhtar and do Hani Mukhtar things and probably put in another Golden Boot challenging campaign for sure. Um, I think some of their draws that they had an absolute crap ton of last year, a couple of them are going to turn into losses, a couple of them are going to turn into wins, but they're still going to have a lot of ties. Um, I don't, I don't think they push for top spot, but I think they, I think they definitely get a, a home field first round matchup. So they're definitely in for me. Yeah, I kind of match up with that. Uh, uh, one thing they had 18 draws last year, great defensively, though they were a little more shaky than the first year scored better because the Hani Mukhtar stepped up, but they had a lot of draws on extra time radio, the podcast, uh, coming from MLSsoccer.com. David Goss has his theorem that everybody's a little too knee jerk reaction for uh, big international signings coming to MLS. Travel in North America, the climate, the language, the culture, the team takes a little while to get acclimated. And uh, keep an eye on Ake Loba. Didn't do so much for him last year as a DP signing. Let's see if he scores the goals and turns those draws into wins. That's a, that's a big pickup. And Sean Davis to add to that defense is, and possibly to replace Dax McCarty when he eventually retires, if ever. Uh, but they're definitely in. And the one everybody's been waiting for. Yes, we gave Sean Campbell the pleasure of giving the preview for Sporting Kansas City. Take it away, Sean. Don't worry, everyone. I'll be quick. Don't worry. 
uh, key ins for sporting this year. They brought in Logan and Denbe. They brought in Robert Robert Volader, both on the back end, and then Nikola Vunovic up front. Uh, key outs, Ilya. That one's gonna hurt real bad. We lost both Luis Martins and Jalen Lindsay on the on the left. Um, and Alan Polito, I'm counting him as an out because he's out all year after knee surgery. Um, key players to watch are going to be in Denbe. He's going to be your left back for sure, 100%. David Daniel Shallowy, if he can keep up his, he needs to keep up his goal scoring form. And Remy Voltaire, I think, is going to end up taking a, a large part of the midfield number six role. Uh, he's going to split time with uh, Jose Mari for sure. Uh, last season, they were third in the West. They made the best of what they could after selling Busio in the middle of the season. They had a lot of injuries that they had to work through. Polito mostly being the problem there. Um, Core's getting a little up there, although not as up there as other teams. Uh, they put in a, tr- a strong case for top spot, but, you know, they had some stretches where they looked uninspired, but still managed to get points when they absolutely had to. Can't forget about the suplex game. I'll never forget the suplex game. <laughs> uh, they won the first round against uh, against Whitecaps because they absolutely had to because you just can't let someone talk you know, talk smack on you and then not beat them when they're in your home pitch. But then they lost RSL on their home pitch. Again, we're going to move on from that. <clears throat> Looking forward to this year. You can expect more, much more of the same from SKC because that's just what you're going to, ex- you're what you're going to get as long as you have Vermees as your coach. He knows what he's doing. Uh, when it comes to playoffs, it, it, something seems off. See if they can fix that with what they've brought in. Uh, again, if Shallowy can keep his scoring touch, that got him his spot on the Hungarian national team, and Voltaire and Mari can split time at the six and replace Ilya in any shape or form, they'll p- be pushing for that top spot yet again. I don't think they're going to get it, but another d- a deep run is possible. It's just going to make sure that they give some guys some rest down the stretch as opposed to just wearing out your old core. But they're definitely in. Yeah, I got They're in. Uh, they might drop out of a home playoff game in the first round, but they're in. Doubtful. <laughs> I've got Sporting pretty high up on the table. I've got him in. Um, yeah, I perennial contenders. What do you want me to say? Yeah, uh, the loss of Polito, uh, a couple other losses. Uh, they, they, it's more challenging for them this year, but still a very good team. They're in for sure. Next up, I'm going to go ahead and cover Minnesota United FC, the Loons. They did manage to finish fifth in the West last year, even though they lost their first four games badly uh, on 49 points. Their head coach is the only coach they've ever known, Adrian Heath. Uh, key signings, and <laughs> bear with me on this name, Bangokuli Langwani, a U-22 signing, a forward from South, and he's a South African international, and I don't know much about him. Uh, they got Abu Dinlani, famed uh, college draftee of the Loons back in the past. Didn't really shake out as well as everyone thought he would. He's back to try it again for a refresh. Speaking, coming back home to Minnesota, uh, Luis Amaria was back with him uh, back in 2020. He's coming back in as a DP. Uh, in 2020, he had a hot start, and then injuries, COVID, everything kind of blew it apart. But when he came in, he promised 25 goals for the Loons back then. So when they re-signed him, Adrian Heath says he still owes Minnesota 23 goals. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to love old Adrian Heath. <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, 
They also signed this huge man monster, uh, Kerwin Ariaga, Kervin Ariaga, uh, from Hond- he's a Honduran. Uh, he could be in for a starting role and give him some bite in the back because they got attack attacking talent on this team. They got to piece it together, but they also need to tighten up on the defense. They just seem a little loose, uh, you know, at the ends of the pitch. Oh, they've been okay in the middle. Key losses. Here's some names for you. Ethan Finley has gone to Austin. Ozzy Alonso is off to Atlanta. Jan Gregus got in Adrian Heath's uh, uh, doghouse last year, and they just let him walk. Uh, and Thomas Chacon, he's a failed DP. Uh, that's an addition by subtraction. Key holdovers, well, it all starts with Bebe uh, Reynoso. In the middle of the pitch, he's great. Uh, he did, however, in the offseason, have a nice little two-week vacation in an Argentine jail for uh, threatening a 16-year-old at a party with a gun. Oof. But he's back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Whom amongst us? <laughs> fun times. Uh, they also have Franco Fragaponi. He's a forward. He had some good numbers last year. Uh, second year in MLS, he could kick on. Uh, Adrian Hunu, the French DP striker, he really failed to impress last season. But if you got Reynoso handling that ball, if you if he does anything, he could score. But if he doesn't, you now got Amarillo, and he owes him 23 goals. Uh, Hassani Dotson, good talent, young player, plays a lot of positions. It's actually held him back as they played him everywhere or held him back to now fill in spots if they need him. It looks like he's finally going to get a chance to start. He's a talented fella. Look to see what he can do with real time and game time under his belt. Romain Metinier, uh, really great first season in the league. Still a good player. Bombs forward off of the uh, uh, getting forward from right back. And he's from Madagascar. A Madagascar international. Don't see many of those out in the wild. And the ever-present Will Trapp, still in the league, still effective. The veteran D-mid is uh, still going to be starting, it looks like, for the Loons this year. The outlook for the Loons is if Reynoso stays healthy and out of trouble and Amaria fulfills his early promise from when he signed in 2020 with them initially, there's a chance for excitement in the attack. Uh, there is a chance for real excitement in this attack. Uh, Hassani Dotson, who's mostly a defensive player, he can also push up forward and have his moments as well. Uh, Fragaponi's shown something, Metnair bombing forward. These are good and fun things. Last season, they lost their first four matches and lost them badly. They had made it two years ago to the finals of the Western Conference, and it took a great comeback from Seattle to keep them out of the MLS Cup. Last year, they didn't fulfill that promise. Not the same hype this year, rightfully so. They're just not as good as they were in the playoffs two years ago. Uh, I've got them just missing out of the playoffs this year. Yeah, we're we're getting into talking about bubble teams. I have got Minnesota on the bubble, but I've got them out at the moment. These are the kind of teams that we were talking about earlier when we mentioned a couple of points here, a couple of points there, missing by two, missing by three. This is one of the teams we're talking about. Minnesota could really be on either side of the line. Yeah, they could be in ninth. It, well, it's like it was last year. They could be in ninth or they could be in fifth. And the points difference might not be that much. What do you think about Minnesota's chances this year, Sean? 
I've got them as the first team on the outside looking in. Again, it might it might come down to goal differential, and they just they miss out on decision day at literally at the death of the season because of one you know one goal given that shouldn't have been given because of a missed call. But not like I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it could definitely be. I definitely see could see them making the playoffs. But I just going with my gut on this one. They're the first team looking in. Yeah, there's there's talent here. If it does gel. This team could be very good, but I'm not putting my money on them gelling. So moving right along, Mason, why don't you go ahead and uh, last year's upstarts, Vancouver Whitecaps coming out of nowhere, getting in the playoffs. What do you think about this year? Uh, We're heading up to the great white north. It's not that white. (laughs) Uh, Vani Sartini returns to take the Whitecaps out for another rip. Are you, bud? Uh, Last year, they were sixth in the west lost to the ever-precious Sporting KC in the first round. We, <laughs> we, know, we, we know this story. Um, Vancouver didn't make a lot of moves in uh, this offseason so far. Going to get into that. Uh, Tristan Blackman, they picked him up from Charlotte after Charlotte picked him up from LAFC and flipped him. Uh, picked him up for 475000 in GAM over two years. And then Sebastian Burhalter comes in from Columbus, got him for fifty thousand in GAM, up to fifty thousand in incentives. Columbus keeps an undisclosed international sell-on fee. That's fun. Yeah, <laughs> lots of uh, lots of legalese on that contract, apparently. Jasser Kamiri and Patrick Metcalf going out. Their options were declined, and Toussaint Ricketts out of contract, let go. Now, here's the big one. Maxime Cripeau goes to LAFC. They got a million dollars in GAM. They got LAFC's 2025 first round pick on closed incentives, and they retain sell-on fees for him. This is very important. Cripeau's the goalkeeper, by the way. Yes. So that leaves Vancouver pretty much out of goalkeeping options. Uh, they loaned Evan Newton, another goalkeeper, out to El Paso in the USL Championship. That leaves one. That leaves Thomas Hassall, the only goalkeeper on the roster at the moment. They're still sitting on that million dollars they got for Cropo. They haven't spent it yet. I'm expecting some goalkeeping signings to come down the pipe. If they don't, Vancouver's in big trouble. They can get Tim Howard. I don't know what NBC would do with a million dollars in GAM, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'd find a way to spend it, I'm sure. <laughs> but if Vancouver doesn't replace Cropo, they're in big trouble. I've got they're a wash. If they do replace him with some solid talent in net, though, they've otherwise got their same pretty strong core from last year, and I've got them as a bubble team in. I've got them first team in. That this all really hinges on replacing Grappolo. Honestly, looking at how they turned it around under Santini and and ended up making it in, squeaking it in at the end. Um, even if, even if they don't replace Grappolo, they've got to have some sort of faith in their their youngins coming up through the pipe. Um, so I've got them also as a bubble team, and I think that they are going to be the team that makes it in on the goal differential at the death on decision day over the loons, but I've got them in that last spot. So they're in for me. Yeah. One, one name did crop up in this that makes a big difference is the Scottish Messi 
Ryan Gault, who was so, so, so good for half a season last year. He makes a difference. Uh, goalkeeping, got a million in GAM, get that allocation slot. Sign Ethan Horvath. There's a name for you. Uh, I got them in, but listening to the two rundowns, I'm almost ready to swap them with Minnesota now to do it. So Vancouver's, again, one of the bubble teams. Take your pick. Uh, it's MLS, whichever way you pick, it's going to go the other way. Unless, of course, you pick, you know, San Jose. <laughs> oh, we'll get to them soon enough. Don't worry. Actually, it'd be a little bit. Uh, but right now, team that tried to win the cup this past year, Sean Campbell's going to go over the Portland Timbers. What you got for us, Sean? Well, looks like I got another another contender. <laughs> I, I seem to I seem to get all of those this year. You got apparently. a lot of them this time around yeah. somehow. I don't know how that happened. We just kind of said, you know what? This team looks good. And then, you know, anyway, we'll get to it. Uh, Portland didn't have a lot of movement this year. Um, they they brought in David Ayala, but they moved out Steve Clark and longtime talisman Diego Valeri. But as we saw towards the end of the season last year, they basically went from being all about Valeri to becoming Blanco's boys. Um, most important players on that roster is going to be Blanco for sure. And then hopefully Van Rankin can stay and they can find a permanent option for him instead of keep loaning him back. Uh, they ended up fourth in the West last year. They made it all the way to the final. Um, they didn't have a very strong showing in the first half, but then they came down that back stretch and absolutely were on fire, almost unstoppable. Something about Geo. He just knows what he's doing. Um, arguably second most consistent team in MLS outside of the Sounders. And as long as Blanco's knee stays healthy and their core, their super old core, those brothers Chara, man, they are, they're up there. But uh, if, if they can stay young for another, well, quote unquote, young for another year and Blanco's knee holds up, I, I don't see them not making it in. They have to make it in. They're going to be pushing for a top spot again as long as they don't have a terrible start. Um, and who knows? There might be another deep run for them in the playoffs again. Yeah, very well could be. Savarese starts out trying to get a ball, ball control offense. It never works. He scraps it. They go back to the counter press the second half of the season and they just blow teams away. It happens every year. Uh Sebastian Blanco was very close not to resigning to the Timbers this year. That was a little surprising, but they got him back in the fold. I, with that home field advantage, that great crowd in Portland, they're in. Plus, they got Timber Joey. He's got to be worth about five points alone. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how sure. much they resigned his contract sure. for. <laughs> no one signs his contract. He gets all. He, okay, he gets paid in scarves. I'm sure he gets paid. In he all, shows up with a chainsaw. Lawn, that's his paycheck. He shows up with a chainsaw. He gets paid what he wants to get paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't come here to negotiate. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, top of the table predictions here are kind of seeing like you just turn the disc over and play it again. Uh, Portland's in. I've got them pretty high up on the table again. Um, yeah, they're looking to make another run. Okay, so it comes to me. Coming to the team with five stars on the jersey. I don't see another star coming this year. We're talking, of course, about the Los Angeles Galaxy. They finished last year eighth in the Western Conference on 48 points. They missed the playoffs in literally the last five minutes of, like, real time on Decision Day. 
Uh, the coach is Greg Vanny. Of course, they had great success in Toronto. Uh, I'm certain we'll see Vanny's usual four in the back, two, three, one formation, uh, controlling the ball all the time if they can. Uh, key signings actually had a couple of sneaky good MLS veterans join their team. Uh, Mark, don't call him Marky anymore, Delgado. Uh, he brings some much-needed bite to the midfield. And Raheem Edwards, veteran forward. He still saw some game in him. He played pretty well for LAFC down the stretch last year. Kind of sneaky good on those. And they've signed DP Douglas Costa. He's got some big moments. Had played from big teams in Europe. He's not that old. Um, he has a tendency to fade in and out of games. Games get away from him. But he's a talent. He's a real talent. Things kick on for him in L.A. He could be a big pickup. If he comes in, you're going to relax in the sun. They wasted their money again. Uh, key losses. 12 players are gone from a team that really kind of wasn't that good all around, to be honest. Uh, but they did uh, let their designated player, Jonathan Dos Santos, is allowed to walk away from that contract. He was really good. For a while, and then the last couple of seasons, he wasn't as good as he used to be. Uh, Sebastian Legette was traded to New England. They got $1.3 mil uh, $1 million in allocation money. Harder to say than you'd think. And they also lost their general manager. The well-respected Dennis DeClosa uh, decided to move on to Feyenoord. Uh, how much he had to do with building this roster is so hard to say with the Galaxy. So much of it comes from the front room, them wanting to sign the big names, the Galacticos, uh, to come in and make a splash. Like, uh, you know, Douglas Costa is this year. Key holdovers, well, it all starts with Javier Hernandez. Yeah, go ahead and call him Chicharito. He was so good last year when he could play. Injury rack season, but he was back to what everyone expected when he came in. Again, that David Goss theorem takes a year. The first year he wasn't very good. The second year he's really good. Uh, Kevin Cabral, they way overspent for this guy coming out of the second division in France. He's got a long contract as a DP, uh, talent isn't worth the money, but he showed some electricity. Uh, and again, he could really benefit from another year in MLS. If he could convert chances and get in the right positions and, uh, Vanny's a coach that could do that. We could see a, a good second season bounce from him. Efren Alvarez, the Mexican international, uh, so much as spoke. We keep waiting for him to kick on. This could be the season. Uh, Julian Araujo is still there. Sasha Kleschian, very much worth his reserve role, even at his advanced age. Rayan Ravelson in the midfield. He doesn't bring the bite, but now they got Delgado. That gives Ravelson a chance to do more of his game. I think the Delgado pickup was very, very wise. And Victor Vasquez, the old guy from the uh, great Toronto FC teams, he's back to work, help run Vanny's system. Good, smart pickup for this team. Outlook, well, a healthy Chicharito Siki. Uh, Cabral being able to get his game more in line with the team would really help. Same goes for Alvarez on this. Uh, back line, defense, still a mess. They really haven't worked on that much. Uh, I'm just not sure there's enough offense in this team to overcome how many goals they're going to ship. Uh, there's enough of an attack, though, to allow them to just miss the playoffs again this year. So I got them out.
Yeah, I've got him in the mixer with Vancouver and Minnesota in that on that bubble. Um, but I've got him out at the moment. Chicharito is a lot of fun to watch when he's healthy. Uh, they still have, you know, big names there. But yeah, they just they didn't do enough to shore up what they needed to shore up. Yeah, I've got him out. I've got him out too. there. I've got him below Minnesota United. They miss out by by points, not by not by tiebreakers. Um, but again, they're in that that mix of, you know, we're going to have probably six or seven, probably six teams fighting for those last two playoff spots easily. And they're they're in that that giant stirring pot of whatever happens, happens and hope you hope you come out on the bright side of it. Yeah, I think we're I think we're unanimous on that. And of course, that could change. There's talent there, but is the defense is so poor. And our next team will go across the city. Mason will give us another rundown on LAFC. All right. So we are staying in LA. We are doing the El Trafico of previews. <laughs> Got LAFC. They were ninth in the West last year and did not make the playoffs. And for this, Bob Bradley was sent to the farm up north. He has <laughs> to, the, to the cold tundra yeah. of of the barren wasteland that is Toronto FC and all their money. Yeah. <laughs> He's got the lots almost of... <laughs> equivalent of getting sent to Siberia. <laughs> He's got lots of room to run and he has other coaches to play with. But no, you can't go see him. <laughs> so Bob Bradley has left LAFC. He has been replaced with Steve Chirundolo. Legend. Yeah. Yeah. Most recently uh, was assistant head coach at VFB Stuttgart. And at uh, at LAFC's USL champion affiliated Las Vegas Lights, um, he's also coached in the U.S. national team system, and has coached in Germany's youth national team system. I think he was actually an assistant head coach there. Uh, extremely well respected player when he was at Hanover '96. Uh, Steve Trundolo. So. LAFC, they have been making money moves. Big players in. We got Franco Escobar from Atlanta United. Picked him up for 600000 in GAM. Ismail Tajori Sharadi got him from Charlotte FC. One of those players that Charlotte just drafted and flipped. Got him for 400000 in GAM. He recently underwent surgery uh, mm-hmm. during the preseason, but is expected to return early in the season. So might miss a couple of games and then getting game fit but should not be out long was the last that i saw uh they picked up Ilya sanchez uh from free agency after sporting let him go got him for two years plus a one-year option kellen acosta from the colorado rapids spent 1.1 million dollars in gam over two years for the u.s men's national team player and then here's the big one. Maxime Cropo from Vancouver, like I mentioned, uh, spent a lot on him. The million dollars in GAM, the draft pick, incentives, sell-on fees, lots of stuff. But this is huge for LAFC. They were desperately lacking goalkeeping last year, and they just got a really a really good one. Um, John McCarthy comes from free agency, give a little bit of depth at that goalkeeping position. And then Ryan Hollingshead from FC Dallas. A one-for-one trade for Marco Farfan, which I think is a bit of a steal for LAFC here. I don't understand why Hollingshead left Dallas. I don't. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) all to LAFC's benefit on that one, I think. 
Uh, Forefriend's good, but Hollingshand's great. So, yeah, I don't understand. Moving up in the world. Who knows? FC Dallas, they make moves that are beyond my comprehension. Kind of eldritch down there. They're playing 3D transfer chess over here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we really are. Uh, Players out. We got got a couple of players who had their options declined. Jamal Blackman, Daniel Christodomo. Easy for you to say. Yeah. Daniel Christodomo. That's all right. Nobody knows who he is. <laughs> Alvaro Caseda declined options. Raheem Edwards, Jordan Harvey, they go to free agency. Pablo Cisniega traded uh, off to Charlotte FC for 50000 in GAM. Edward Atuesta off to Palmeiras in Brazil. $4 million. Up to $7 million in incentive, or up to $7 million total if incentives are met. Uh, Tristan Blackman mentioned that uh, Charlotte picked him up fourth in the expansion draft and then shipped him off. Uh, Bryce Duke goes off to Inter Miami for a thousand, hundred thousand in general allocation money, and then Marco Farfan. LAFC splashing cash, making moves. Uh, they're making a huge push. Uh, we still have Christian Torres. We still have Carlos Vela. Uh, we got uh, Christian Arano, uh, and. With this seeming like it might be Carlos Vela's last season in L.A., they are shaping up for one last ride, and I think they're going to make it. I think they're going to make a run. I've got him in. Strong. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, um, LAFC definitely went out. They spent a lot of money. They brought in a lot of players in places they needed to. I got a soft spot in my heart for Ilya. Uh, I I don't see how they don't make the playoffs this year. Um, granted, with that many that much changeover, there may be some gelling issues. They might start off a little funky and then make a strong push down the stretch. But I've got them making it in. But they're in my mixer of six teams fighting for those last two spots. But I do have them in. Yeah, I've got them in. Vela wants to go back to Europe, he says. His wife's from Spain. Going to make a push because you get a better deal if you play well before you get a transfer if you're pushing for one. Uh Cropo in goalkeeping, the one thing they never spent money on was get a decent goalkeeper, and it's harmed them. And Chirundolo, they must have had him slotted to steal him away from Germany after decades over there. It, I doubt it was that easy. So they really wanted him. I don't think they had him planned to start quite this early, but that last year as a head coach in Las Vegas is probably a big deal. Uh, again, they could be out. They could be in. Ugh, they could be world beaters. Uh, Backline, they've got a great young player, Mamaduno Fall, could break out as well. Uh, there's talent here. See how they gel in this year. I think that would be the only thing that really hurts them if is they don't have the chemistry because you look at the names on this roster and they could really go places. Well, they had good names last year, and they didn't go places. Yeah, it, it's it's a it seems to be more of a matter of getting the right players instead of just getting the best players. Yeah, that has something to do with it as well. We see a lot of teams run afoul of that. Team that did get it together last year, surprisingly, was Real Salt Lake and uh, Sean Campbell. Give us a rundown from them. Not a lot of note. Not a lot to note as far as transfers goes for RSL. They brought in Sergio Cordova, and they re-signed Justin Miram, and they re-signed Luis. 
They lost Rusnak, which is going to be a huge hit for them in that midfield. And so the key is, the most key player for them is whoever ends up, quote-unquote, replacing him. Uh, just because even last year in their seventh-place finish, they Rusnak is the identity of that team. He's a longtime talisman, and just if you lose a guy like that, you it's going to be hard to fill those shoes. Um, he'd win, he'd find ways to win them games or steal points away at the end, end of games. And <clears throat> I mean, without him in there, they could just be absolutely destroyed by a, a good quick countering team because their back line is just not that great. I've got them on the outside looking in this year. And I, I, unless they, unless they can find someone mid season that can absolutely pick up that slack from Rusnak, I, I just don't see them bringing it together this year. Yeah. That they, they, Rusnak's a big loss. Uh, is pretty damn good in goal, I have to say. Even if he's I've got him on my fantasy be. team. <laughs> uh, if they do do anything this year, I've got him out. But if they do do anything this year, Dimir Krylak will really make a run for player of the year. He's got it in him. Goals and assists. I'm a big fan if they do make it, Krylak's got a real shout for player of the year. Yeah, Krylak was really impressive last year, too, um, on what I am going to dub RSL's Cinderella run. I've got him tumbling, tumbling down. I've got him out. Perhaps their biggest signing was an owner, David Blitzer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the owner of Augsburg FC, the ones that signed Ricardo Pepe. So they have an actual owner and a aggressive owner. So their future looks brighter. And they're set up, I don't remember the name of the old uh, reprobate that owned them before, uh, but he really had them set up with great training grounds, both the men's and women's, a great campus, you know, great fan base, a history. There's something here, and they can build on it if they just get going, but they got to get going. Making the playoffs last year was a big deal for them. It definitely looks like their owner has, a, has an affinity for red and blue, though, because he also is a part owner of Crystal Palace. That's right. I forgot about Crystal Palace. Them too. Speaking of teams with non-aggressive owners, I'm going to go ahead and take a look at the San Jose Earthquakes. Strap in, folks. <laughs> We're taking a ride to the bottom. Going down? <laughs> Team Chaos. Last year, they were 10th in the Western Conference on 41 points. Uh, under coach Matias Almeida, the well-respected and well-wanted coach, uh, with his man-marking system, they were almost most watched. You never knew what they they could be brilliant. It could be boring. They could get just trounced. You had to watch. It's like watching a train wreck. Um, now, how much man marking will we see? They've been backing off a little bit lately. Uh, their biggest problem is their owner, John Fisher, won't spend any money. It doesn't invest in the team. Hasn't it brings in Matias Almeida. Big coup there. Hasn't really put out any money to bring in a team for him. Uh, that's a shame. No no Goonie magic this year for the Quakes, I'll tell you that. Key signings, good one. Young Grey Goose from Minnesota. They picked up uh, Osune Buddha, uh, exciting attacker from the uh, Super Draft. One of the ones that could slot in and play the first year out of the Super Draft. <laughs> they picked up Francisco Calvo, a failed uh, fire center back. <laughs> he was a dumpster fire in Chicago. Uh, hopefully he's there for depth. And uh, Chris Leach, 
is now their GM, no longer their interim, former coach of the team, uh, good soldier there. He's done some good work. Now he's the full-time GM. They held off like for six months uh, after making the interim just to name him when everybody knew they were going to name him. Probably to save on his lousy salary. That's the way Fisher works. Key losses? One word. Wando. Chris Wondolowski's no longer there. No longer any of that goat magic in the very end. Somehow getting a goal out of nothing. Uh, it wasn't in the offseason, but they also lost Sam Vines, their defensive back. Uh, he went off to Antwerp. And then they had a whole bunch of other dudes that you don't really much matter. Key holdovers is Matias Almeida. I believe this is his fourth season there, unbelievably. Probably his last. They didn't really match up with the kind of players he needs. Hasn't really worked. Uh, new GM. It's time to move on. Uh, Kate Cowell is still there. The 18-year-old man-child. Uh, he's now got a U-22 DP... Uh, U-22 initiative contract uh, really needs development, but there's a lot of talent in there. And this will be his third MLS season. He's 18 years old. Chofis Lopez is a DP. What can I say? Doesn't impress me, but he's better than anybody else they've got out there in that position. Uh, Jackson Ewell's back, playing defensive back. He had such a terrible start to the season for club and country. He seemed to get better at the end of the year. One of Leach's big moves when he became interim was to splash some gam. Picked up Jeremy Abobasi. Uh, Jeremy Abobasi came over from Portland where he was being misused. Chance for him to get up front. Take a chance to score some goals. Pretty big pickup. A really key holdover is the youngster uh, Tanner Beeson. Really wasn't utilized by Almeida very much last year. But when he played, their defense was not terrible. When he didn't play, their defense was horrific. Uh, so it's going to make a big difference if they play Tanner Beeson. He's a name to watch. They got a DP Christian Espinoza. Doesn't really excite me. And, of course, key holdovers. No Wando. The outlook? No Wando. Yeah. <laughs> and after this season, Matias Almeida, maybe before the end of the season, yeah, there could be a hot seat here. Almeida could move on and get one of those better jobs that everybody's been banging on his door for for four years. Uh, will they still be Team Chaos this year in that way that they could be really good on a given day, really bad? You had to watch. I don't know. Uh, if not, why watch? Well, the reason to watch is Cade Cowell. Uh, he made an on-the-run, on-the-sprint, off the outside of his left foot, a pass across the field last year that very few players that are American or in MLS can make. He doesn't do it all the time, but it's in his locker. And he's young, very talented, still needs a lot of development. He's going to get it this year. That's the reason to watch the Quakes. And then they're out. Yeah, no, I mean, you pretty much got it all. Um, <laughs> I said Seattle was in with a bullet. I've got San Jose out with a bullet. And not only that, they're going to be less fun to watch, I think. The only real reason to watch them is going to be Kate Cowell, because the only reason to watch him before was to see what kind of shenanigans Wando gets up to. You concur, Sean? 
Yeah, I just don't think, even though they, they, they you know, brought in some players, I just don't see them, I, I don't see them doing much of anything this year. And unfortunately, someone's got to be at the bottom in this tight, tight Western Conference. And I, I think without Wando, it's it's going to be San Jose. It's just, it, it's not the right players for the system that the coach has. And if they could bring in the right coach midseason, they might be able to turn around. But I, I don't think so. Yeah, long gone are the days with Landon Donovan there. Long, long gone. Moving on, our second year club. Actually, didn't have a lot of points last year, but I don't think they were that bad of an expansion team. It's Austin FC, and Mason's going to run this down for us. Yep. Uh, Josh Wolf returns to the, I guess now, toddler club. Uh, they were 12th in the West last year. Did not make the playoffs. I don't think that's really surprising to too many people. Um, but we got some moves from Austin. Uh, Zon Kolmanic comes in from NK Maribor in Slovenia. $1.5 million. Purchased him from loan. Uh, Jared Stroud, they get him to resign. He had originally had his option declined, but they pick him back up for a year plus two option years. Ethan Finley from Minnesota United. Got him as a free agent. Uh, let's see. Damian Laws. Here's a big one. Grab him from Fulham. Uh, U.S. Youth International player. Uh, they got him. They also got his homegrown rights from Chicago uh, in a trade for Austin's 2022 Super Draft second round pick and some conditional GAM. They got him for two years plus two option years. And then Kip Keller. Uh, SLU alum. SLU product. Got him in the draft, so we could very well see him take the field. Might be in the first game. Yeah. Uh, big outs for Austin. Matt Beasler has retired after 12 years. Not uh, Mackenzie Gaines, uh, he went to Charlotte in the first round. That was of the, uh, the expansion draft. Yes, correct. But uh, ju- just some some players going back on loan. Not a lot of movement. Mostly players in. They they're they're making moves. They're they're improving. I've got them out again this year, but I see them improving in the table. Uh, it's a solid improvement on what had what was a a team that had lackluster results, but was not a bad expansion team. It it had it had spots of brightness there. And I expect that to continue, but I don't see him making it this time around. I've I've got him out. I've got him taking steps in the right direction, though. But the, when you're losing Matt Beasler on the back line, they lost Ben Sweat on the back line. They didn't really bring anybody in for at least not on the wing of the back. They, I I don't see him making the playoffs just yet this year. But they're taking steps in the right direction. They might steal some points just by outscoring instead of you know stopping the other team from scoring but they're they're not quite in it yet but they they're they're getting closer and closer to that point total that's going to put them over the line yeah they uh shipped off their uh i believe he's a dp or u22 thomas pochettino who did nothing for him last year they got him on a loan to river plate uh maybe he comes back maybe he doesn't but uh didn't really do much for him they did finally get a striker Jite's there. Uh, they got some talent up front. Uh, 
but people got to kick on. The biggest thing they did with their signings is they got more speed in their midfield. They were so slow. That was their big problem. Slow in the back, slow in midfield. Uh, Beasler's gone from the backside, but they pick up Kip Keller, who they never thought they were going to get him in the fifth pick, but he fell. Big coup for Austin. Big coup for Keller. Uh, that works all the way around. But yeah, they're out. And next, a uh, team that made some moves. Maybe a little buzz. The Houston Dynamo. What can you tell us about them, Sean? The uh, the Houston Dynamo made some moves. But we'll keep it to the important ones. Uh, they brought in Sebastian Ferreira, which is Texas big enough for two Ferreras? We'll find out this year. Um, they brought in Zeka up, you know, on their back line. And most importantly, they brought in Steve Clark as a goalkeeper. That's a big pickup for them, for sure. They, they didn't exactly have the best of goalkeeping record last year. Key outs. They moved on from Maxi Arruti, who is now, after, you know, once he takes the field for Austin FC, will be the first MLS player to play for all three Texas teams. That's going to be fun. They moved on. They they got rid of Boniek Garcia in the midfield, and most importantly, they moved on from Tab Ramos, which I think it's about time they did that. Looking at the key players this year, it's going to be Ferreira. It's going to be Steve Clark. How can they perform, fit in the system, and are they going to be able to, you know, produce results? Also, bit of a question mark here. Sources say that they've made an offer on Mexican international Hector Herrera, double Ache. That. We'll we'll come up we'll come with more on that as it as it materializes. Last year they ended up as last in the West. They started off somewhat salvageably, but they just couldn't salvage it. In the end, they just couldn't bounce back from a midseason where they were just trying to not be wooden spoon. Um, they brought in Pat Onstad to be their GM. Hopefully, he can write the ship this season. Uh, they brought in some real strong players. They've got a bit of a new identity, um, and with the rumors of Double Ache coming in. And also the coach, Paulo Nagamura, who used to, you know, used to play for Sporting KC. So I, I, I've got some faith in him as a, as a coach. If they can bring stability and the stars align, they might be pushing for a spot on decision day. But I, ultimately, I have them missing out. Yeah, there's, there's legs to the Ache Ache uh, thing I've been hearing. Uh, Houston's put in a pretty big bid. Uh, he's with Atletico Madrid. Atleti not having a good season. They have offered him personal terms on par, just short of what Atletico's already paying him, which is supposedly about $3 million a year in salary. No word on what a transfer fee would be. But the other word is he wants to come back and he wants to live in the U.S. for lifestyle reasons, not go back to Liga MX. So there's legs to this. It could be something... Uh, he's getting at the end of his, uh, career, but he's got something to offer. It'd be fun to see him banging people around in MLS. Just adds to the, uh, the physicality of North American soccer. It's good to see. Make MLS even more CONCACAF. <laughs> That's right. And who doesn't love that? But they're out. Yeah, I've got him pretty solidly out. If this thing with Herrera materializes, I might bump him up, put him in the mixer. But I've got him out the bubble right now. And finally, I've got uh, FC Dallas. There's a lot to talk about with FC Dallas. The Enigma. Yeah. They finished 11th in the Western Conference on 33 points. Wow. Uh, they got a new coach, Nico Estevez. 
Uh, last with uh, Greg Berhalter's staff with the USMNT. He's coached in Spain. He's been, he's, he's got a resume, let's say. Uh, big, uh, key signings. Yeah, they got a couple. Just a handful. Paul Ariola for a record $2 million in GAM. Wait, who's that guy? <laughs> you might have heard of him. Used to play for Tijuana and Liga MX, I believe. Went to DC United. Uh, that much in MLS Monopoly money is enough to stave off four to five bids from Club America in Liga MX for him. Because GAM is worth more than the cash in MLS. That's a big pickup for a young team. He's a good player. His uh, chance creation last year was quite high ranking. I think he had eight goals, which you never think of Ariola doing that. His work rate, his leadership, uh, it's a way for a young team that's building to really uh, get them going in the right direction. They went out and signed for a club record fee of nearly $10 million, Alan Velasco, a 19-year-old Argentine winger. He signed as a young DP, exciting player. Uh, see if he adjusts to how quick, but uh, from what everybody can see, words that are bouncing around, they got a good signing here, really good one. They get slew attacker, uh, not attacking left back or wing back, Isaiah Parker in the Super Draft. It'd be interesting to see what they do with Parker if he'll go down to their MLS Next Pro team. Or if they hold him on. He's been playing in preseason, but that doesn't mean much. Uh, where would he play? He's good on attack, needs some work defensively, still needs to develop. But if he does, it's another one that they can sell on to Europe for big money because of his athleticism. And then they got Marco Farfan in the trade that we've talked about earlier. He's just 23. And when he was young with Philadelphia, I believe it was with the Philadelphia Union, he was considered to be one of the very best young players in the league. He hasn't kicked on, but he's a good player. Let's see if he fulfills his promise. Key losses, Altrain, Ricardo Pepe. They may want to keep him this year, but when somebody throws $18 million in your face for him, one David Blitzer at Augsburg, now also with Real Salt Lake, did that. So he's off in the Bundesliga. Der Zug. Yeah, Der Zug. <laughs> they got Brian Acosta, former uh, DP, comes in to help him in the midfield, is gone. Ryan Hollingshead, they traded for Farfan. I had him rated as one of the top five, if not better, uh, leftbacks in the entire league. I wonder why. I, he's 30, Farfan's 23, maybe that's it. And Justin Che. A brilliant young center back, a lot of promise, still needs some development. He's on an 18-month loan with Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, as FC Dallas is one to, to do. Justin Che was electrifying to watch last year. He's got the ability to bring the ball on the dribble out of a center back position. Not a lot of players in the world can do that. Key holdovers, they still have their DP, Franco Yara. He's been very disappointing coming in from uh, uh, Liga Emekis. But last year when Pepe tanked sort of late, late in the season, got tired, Hara started to score some goals for him. So he's still there. The big one is Jesus Ferreira, the 21-year-old USA international, 
He got his young DP signing. He's effective. He's not a real striker. He has some talents there. He plays more of a false niner off of a striker. Uh, got a real chance to be the number one goal scorer for FC Dallas. He's got a chance to be the number one goal scorer for the men's national team at 21. Paxton Pomichol. Remember him? Best young player in MLS years ago. Started to get hurt. Back, hip, bad, bad injuries. He's been in and out. He's back. Supposedly healthy. Supposedly going to play centrally. Where his vision of the field, his work rate on both sides of the ball, his ability to cut defensive with passes. Man, I'd love to see him back to his peak and really start to kick on from there. He can be brilliant. And Matt Hedges is back at center back. He's really, really good. One of the best in MLS. And, of course, makes a great team leader. Probably going to share that with uh, Ariola on this team. What's the outlook for this team? You know, the play your kids mantra is playing out a little bit in Dallas. Probably because they sold everybody. <laughs> I mean, Weston McKinney didn't even make the team. Reggie Cannon, Ricardo Pepe, Justin Shea. How many am I forgetting? Uh, Brian Reynolds. Uh, there's more. Tired, play your kids. Yeah. Wired, sell your kids. The wing play, they've had trouble scoring. Now they got uh, Velasco. They got Ariola. They got Ferrara, who's grown up in the middle. Still have Hara, who could kick on. Hara was expected to be very, very good in MLS when he got signed. He has not been. Maybe they can get the ball in the in the box in the 18 start scoring goals. That would help them well. Uh, they're pretty thin in central midfield, and that's with Pomacall. He gets hurt again, they're even thinner. Don't really understand trading Hollingshead. I don't get that. Uh, defensively, they haven't been on that that good. You know, and the interesting thing is with Isaiah Parker. Does he go down and develop? He does need some developing, or does he stick with the first team? If he sticks with the first team, either they're desperate or he's more MLS ready than most observers, including this one, thought. There's excitement in Dallas. I just don't think they're ready yet. So I've got them out of the playoffs this year. What do you think, Mason? Yeah, I mean, I've got them out. Um, they're sniffing around. They're trying to find something, but I don't know. They, they lost El Tren. They loaned out Shea. Um, and I mean, you know, like you said, when someone comes with a paycheck that big for Pepe, you're going to you're going to let him go. But it's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt him. Yeah. Otherwise, I think that they uh, I mean, Paul, Paul Ariel is a huge get for him. I think that's going to bump him up in the table quite a bit, but I don't see him making it. I don't think it's enough to cut it. You agree, Sean? Uh, when I look at when I look at FC Dallas, I'm seeing this as a, as what I've said, but said in the past of other teams is this is going to be a gel year for them. Um, they brought in a couple of really big name players that are already in their prime. They're not having to, you know, piece together a team just to have a, a team on the field to, you know, just to field a team. They're not relying on their academy. Well, they're still relying on the academy, but they're using that money now to make a better team. And it makes me think, again, maybe maybe their their academy's drying up a little bit. They need to bring some more recruits in so that they can refresh that system. But in doing so, they're going to have a really good, a really good team, but it's going to take a year to gel. Uh, but in doing so, they're going to end up, I think they're pushing for a spot. I've got them in my mixer of six, but they're on the outside looking in. They're not going to make it this year, but next year, if this is, if they do gel this year, I could see them making it next year, but not this year. They got to work on their defense. 
and I don't think the defense is going to be anywhere good enough this year. And Pomacall stays healthy, he's a game changer. Not just for the club, he could be a game changer for the country as well. But we'll see how that goes. And we'll start to find out coming up this weekend. Saturdays when MLS starts. Looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of opening weekend action. Too much, too much to cover. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, just pick a, pick a handful of teams. Watch them. You're going to have a weekend of football, and I think you're going to like it. Yeah, no way to know. Uh, we'll see how it goes. In the meantime, starting on Wednesday, uh, we got CONCACAF Champions League action starting back up. Cavalli AS from Haiti had to forfeit both their games to New England because of their problems getting uh, you know, travel paperwork out of Haiti. So New England's already in their field of eight. Uh, the road, go- road goals rule is in effect for CCL, unlike this year in the UEFA Champions League. So the number of goals scored on the road is the first tiebreaker who advances the aggregate over the two legs of each of these uh, rounds. Wednesday, the first game is at 5 p.m. on FS2. It's New York City going to play uh, Santos de Juapes. Uh, New York City FC won 2-0 on the road. Unless they fall apart, they're, they're in. Montreal gets to host Santos Laguna. 715. I don't know any TV for them in the US. Santos Laguna won at home 1-0. Harsh one for Montreal. Santos Laguna did not play very well. Montreal lost a goal on an iffy call. This could have been a draw. Montreal might have had a chance. I don't see him advancing though. And uh 715 on Wednesday, FS2. Colorado gets to play com- Communicaciones. That game last week was dreck. Just terrible. Nil-nil draw. 89th minute. And Communicaciones just gets a wonder strike from way downtown. Then they pulled off the 1-0 win at home. Colorado's under it to try to advance uh, to the round of eight. And uh, finally, the last MLS team that'll be playing this week. Thursday, Seattle will be hosting Matagua. Uh, that's at 9.30 Central Time on FS2. They played to a scoreless draw. Entertaining game. Montagua was pretty good. Sounders, okay, just didn't seem to have an attacking threat. Very much all the MLS teams look like it's their first game of the year. Uh, I think Seattle will have enough to get by them to get through the first round, but they got to be better than they were in the last round. Finally, to wrap up this show, a little bit of news for you. Pending negotiations of a new collective bargaining agreement, the equal pay dispute between the U.S. Women's National Team and the United States Soccer Federation has been resolved. U.S. Soccer has agreed to $22 million in back pay to the women and set up a $2 million fund for players uh, to utilize in their post-playing career. $24 million is a lot of money. U.S. soccer probably spent double that in lawyer fees fighting this. But at least our long national nightmare is over. And congratulations to the ladies. Yeah, this is a huge win for the women's national team. They deserve this for a long time. I don't know how many years it was where they outshone the men so dramatically and for a pittance of what the men were being paid. They are 
finally getting a bit of their due here. Yeah. We'll find out in the collective bargaining agreement what they have to give up. Maybe some of their extra salary, maybe some of their travel allowances, other things that they had that they were getting outside of pay from USF, USSF. Uh, but that won't come until they negotiate their collective bargaining agreement. But this fight is over. Uh, I, I think the fight's over for now. But at the same time, I hope they don't have to give up anything, honestly, because they deserve it. They're arguably the most dominant female team in the world. for So they deserve to get paid just as much as the men who are pushing to get there. But they're not even close just yet, if I'm being completely honest, as far as top tierness. But... Uh, this this is definitely a good step in the right direction. Um, they, especially with all the trophies they've brought home, they definitely deserve more than just back pay. But that's another discussion for another podcast. But yes, good step in the right direction. And one thing to keep in mind, when it happens to U.S. women's national team, every women's national team is looking at what they're getting. They're the bellwether for the entire world in women's sports, basically. So that's a big move. I think this has been a big show, guys. What do you think? I think it's time to wrap this up. It's getting a bit chilly in the cave. <laughs> yeah, it's bad things coming in from out of town right now, I think. Uh, There's a chill in the air. Won't be good for my crops. <laughs> yes. My <laughs> knees are starting to creak. It's the arthritis. I'm an old man. Let's not talk about that. But uh, thank you all for listening to us. And uh, if you get a chance, go ahead and subscribe rate and review but better yet just tell somebody that they're interested in uh, st louis city about our podcast get us to listen if you want to contact us you can do it on twitter at soccer capital or email us at soccer capital at gmail.com and i'm your host mike turner i'm your producer mason and i'm your cave dwelling hooligan sean campbell and we are the soccer capital podcast thanks for listening bye for now